Let's pray. Gracious God, you were always ready to hear us when we call out to you, and you are ready to speak to us when we need to hear what you have to say. We beg you to speak to us now, for our Lord Christ's sake, who loved us and gave himself for us. All four Gospels tell the story of how Jesus fed thousands of people with just five loaves of bread and two fish. But Matthew includes one small detail that is not found in the other Gospels. When his students advised him to send the crowd away so that they could go into the surrounding villages and buy something to eat, according to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus told them, you give them something to eat. Only Matthew tells us that Jesus first said, they do not need to go away. They do not need to go away. That leapt off the page at me when I read it now in the middle of 2020. I thought, hold on, Joyce and I have had to go away this year twice already. For those who are not familiar with our work, we are members of Wycliffe Bible Translators and have been working in Nairobi, Kenya for the past 15 years teaching at a small Christian university, training students who were preparing to be Bible translators or Bible translation consultants. Prior to that, we worked in Mali and Ivory Coast in West Africa from 1977 till we moved to Kenya in 2005. We have lived in Africa for a long time, and St. Mary's has been generously supporting our work for a long time, too, for which we are very grateful. In January of this year, we knew that we would have to leave Kenya in February for a few days because our visa was going to run out. We were in the country on a temporary visa because our work permit that would allow us to stay for two more years had not yet been approved. We had renewed the temporary visa twice already and it couldn't be renewed again. The rule said that we needed to leave Kenya for at least 24 hours before coming back in and getting a new temporary visa. We didn't know where to go. We talked about going to Tanzania or Ethiopia, the neighboring countries, for a couple of days. But I had been saying for some time that I really wanted to go to Mali to do some more research. I have kept on doing linguistic research on Supire, the language that we have been working on since 1980. Because our finances were low, uh, we had not seriously planned that trip and we had more or less given up on the idea. But then, when we saw that we had to leave Kenya for a while, we thought, why not? Let's go to Mali for a few weeks and do some work there. So we flew to Mali in the third week of February, thinking to be there for three weeks, and then return to Kenya. I spent a very happy three weeks collecting more data and seeing old friends again. Meanwhile, we were hearing news reports about a new virus epidemic in China. But like most of the rest of the world, we did not really see what was coming. The day before we were to return to Kenya in March, Kenya closed its borders to everyone but its own citizens. Okay, we thought, we can stay in Mali. We have a house in the village of Farkala among all our superior friends. We could just stay there for however long it takes for countries to open their borders again. We'll collect more data and just enjoy living in Mali. But the next day, we received an order from our mission, Wycliffe Bible Translators. 
because of our age and our past history of illnesses, we are considered to be in the high-risk category. They told us that we needed to go away again. We had to leave Mali and return to our passport country, the U.S. We got out on the last regularly scheduled commercial flight leaving Mali. It was on Turkish Airways, which took us to Istanbul, two time zones to the east, before taking us to New York, five time zones to the west. Needless to say, if we had known that we would not be returning to Kenya, we would have packed our bags very differently. Bob says he would have put a clergy shirt and collar in his suitcase, and he would have brought electric plug adapters for the U.S. as well as for Mali, and more music for recorder and piano so we can amuse ourselves while we shelter indoors. Me, I keep saying every day, if I'd known I was coming, I'd have packed spices, the ones that grow in Zanzibar, turmeric, cinnamon, cardamom, and cloves. And of course, clothes for more than village life in West Africa. Something suitable for early spring in the U.S. because when we arrived, we were in sandals and light cottons and nearly froze. And I would have brought more of my Victoriana Rose tea set from Farakala village, where it had been sitting quietly in a cupboard during all the years we've been in Kenya. I did bring a few pieces, like this which add a certain measure of delight to each one of my days here in America. Can you imagine the journey this China has recently been through? A five-hour bus trip from Farakala village in southeast Mali to the capital Bamako, then a flight to New York via Istanbul, just under 8,000 miles when you count in the layover, then a 30-mile shuttle and taxi ride from JFK to Newark, New Jersey to catch a train because all the airport shuttles via the Manhattan Port Authority were canceled. Then two weeks of quiet in Delaware before another trip by car to Binghamton, New York. If I'd known, I might not have packed the tea set. The thing is, God knows and looks ahead and prompts us to do things that amaze us later. And when we make stupid mistakes, God still looks ahead and takes care of us. Like the one completely terrible moment in Istanbul, when I got up to the check-in counter, transiting to New York, and found to my horror that my phone was missing. It wasn't anywhere in my purse. Since it was a slightly smartphone, my entire brain was inside of it. I went through a moment of interior meltdown. But the gate agents led us back through all the security lines so we could tear around the airport looking for it. I found my phone back at the airport cafe where we'd gotten coffee. The waiter dug it out of a drawer and smiled at me broadly while I said, at a convenient distance of six feet, I kiss you from far away. So, we have had to go away twice this year, in a pretty major way. When I read Matthew 14 this week, I thought, boy, I wish Jesus had said about us, they don't need to go away. Now we're in Binghamton, in upstate New York, staying with our daughter and son-in-law. And as the whole world is becoming aware, the current disruption to all of our lives is unlikely to end very soon. We have been told not to even think of traveling to Africa before the end of this year. From the point of view of my work, teaching and supervising university students, it doesn't actually make much difference where in the world I am. Since all the universities in Kenya are doing everything online anyway, 
I would be doing the same thing if we were living in Nairobi. Neither the students nor the faculty like it, but we all have to deal. I guess it's actually a good thing that, as far as we know, we don't have to go away again, at least for the time being. Since we'll be in the U.S. for the medium-term to long-term future, we are now going to go into what our mission calls a remote assignment. That is, we will live in one place but work in another. We will live in Binghamton and work in Nairobi. Thanks to the amazing technologies we now have, I can meet with students half a world away. A couple of days ago, I was on an MA thesis examination panel conducted on Zoom with participants in five different places in Kenya, as well as me in Binghamton and another examiner in Vancouver, BC. We all have to accept that this is how we work now. I said that those words, they do not need to go away, gave me a jolt when I read them this week. But of course, Jesus wasn't talking about people having to leave their homes. In fact, they had left their homes and gone out into the bush, as we say in Africa, in order to meet Jesus. After Jesus heard the terrible news of the execution of John the Baptist, he wanted to take a small group of students and go away to some quiet place out in the country for a while, to self-isolate in a small social bubble for a few days. So they got in a boat and set out to sail to a deserted place on the lake somewhere. But Galilee Lake is not that big. People could see from the hillsides where that boat was going. And a lot of people wanted something from Jesus. So when the boat landed, instead of finding quiet isolation, they found a crowd. A crowd of people with illnesses and ailments who wanted Jesus to heal them. So he worked, healing them till the afternoon. That's when the disciples said that all those people really needed to go away. They needed to go get something to eat. It was at that point that Jesus said, they don't need to go away. He meant that they didn't need to go away from him. They could get what they needed right there. The very next verse after today's reading from Isaiah 55 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. The same thought is echoed in today's psalm. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of all who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. Those people went looking for Jesus when they needed him. When they found him, they told him what they needed. I can tell you that we have been calling on God a lot in the last few months. We have suddenly needed things that we were not expecting. We suddenly needed airline tickets from Mali to the U.S. When we got to the U.S., we couldn't go directly to our daughter's place because we needed to self-quarantine for two weeks before we even asked a friend from Nairobi who also had to return to the U.S. because of COVID emailed us to say that we could stay at her place in Delaware for two weeks. 
she drove to Trenton, New Jersey to pick us up from the train station. God took care of us almost before we asked for help. Of course, we haven't stopped calling on God. Just a short time ago, we did not know that we would have to be working remotely for the next months, possibly years. We didn't know that we would need to be calling on God to help us find a house to rent or buy. We didn't know we would be needing to set up an office in order to work remotely. We didn't know that eventually we'll have to transport our household stuff stored in an attic in Portland all the way to Binghamton. We didn't know that we would have to make new lives in a strange city among strangers. But here we are, calling on God while God is near. It's a habit, or should be a habit for all of us, shouldn't it? The Hebrew of Psalm 145 makes that more clear than the English translation does. Those who call on him is just one word in Hebrew, literally his callers. It's as if there are people who make a habit of calling on God. The same goes for those who fear him in the next verse. It's literally his fearers, that is, those who habitually honor and respect God. By the way, the structure of supure makes translating these verses easier in supure than in English because it is closer to the structure of Hebrew. Doesn't that sound fine? You may have noticed that today's readings are not just about people calling. The passage from Isaiah begins with God calling. Hey! Everyone who is thirsty, come to the water. I can tell you that makes me feel really good. To get an invitation like that from God is pretty impressive. But there's a bit of a sting in it, too. God wouldn't be shouting at us to come if we were already right there. We have been off somewhere else, spending money on stuff that isn't real food, on stuff that cannot really satisfy. Let's face it, we have not always been that open to what God wanted to say. That's why God needs to shout at us to get our attention. Listen carefully to me, God says. I have real food to give you for free. Incline your ear to me and come to me. Listen so that you may live. In this time when all of our lives are disrupted, our plans wrecked, and our desires thwarted, we should remember that great quote from C.S. Lewis. Pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. I confess that God often has to shout at me, Hey! Listen carefully. There's no better work for us to do, nothing more important for us, than paying attention to the thousand things that God is saying to us. A little way further on in Isaiah 55, God compares what he says to rain and snow. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, 
and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. One of the important ways that God's words succeed in accomplishing God's purposes is by bringing us into the picture, causing us to act, to do things that we would not otherwise do. When his students suggested to Jesus what they thought needed to happen, he said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. This is a bit of life-giving rain falling on us and those around us. If we are sticking close to Jesus, sooner or later he will tell us, they don't need to go somewhere else to get what they need. You give them something to eat. Amen.